Part One of Book Eleven of Laws by Plato, translated by Benjamin Jowett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Jeffrey Edwards. Part One of Book Eleven. In the next place, dealings between man and man require to be suitably regulated the principle of them is very simple thou shalt not touch that which is mine if thou canst help or remove the least thing which belongs to me without my consent and may i being of sound mind do to others as i would that they should do to me first let us speak of treasure trove may i never pray the gods to find the hidden treasure which a man has laid up for himself and his family, he not being one of my ancestors, nor lift if I should find such a treasure. And may I never have any dealings with the diviners, as they are called, who in any way or manner counsel me to take up the deposit entrusted to the earth. For I should not gain so much in the increase of my possessions if I take up the prize, as I should grow in justice and virtue of soul, if I abstain. And this will be a better possession to me than the other, for the possession of justice in the soul is preferable to the possession of wealth, and of many things it is well said, Move not the immovables, and this may be truly regarded as one of them and we shall do well to believe the common tradition which says that such deeds prevent a man from having a family now as to him who is careless about having children and regardless of the legislator taking up that which he neither deposited nor any ancestor of his without the consent of the depositor violating the simplest and noblest of laws which was the enactment of no mean man who said take not up that which you have not laid down of him i say who despises these two legislators and takes up not some small matter which he has not deposited but perhaps a great heap of treasure what he ought to suffer at the hands of the gods god only knows but i would have the first person who sees him go and tell the wardens of the city if the occurrence has taken place in the city or if the occurrence has taken place in the agora he shall tell the wardens of the agora or if in the country he shall tell the wardens of the country and their officers when information has been received they shall send to delphi and whatever the god answers about the money and the remover of the money that the city shall do in obedience to the oracle the informer if he be a free man shall have the honour of doing rightly or if he inform not the dishonour of doing wrongly and if he be a slave who gives information let him be freed as he ought to be by the state which shall give his master the price of him but if he do not inform he shall be punished with death Next in order shall follow a similar law, which shall apply equally to matters great and small. If a man happens to leave behind him some part of his property, whether intentionally or unintentionally, let him who may meet with the left property suffer it to remain, reflecting that such things are under the protection of the goddess of ways, and are dedicated to her by the law but if any one defies the law and takes the property home with him let him if he be a slave of little worth be beaten with many stripes by him who meets him being a person of not less than thirty years of age or if he be a free man in addition to being thought a mean man who has no share in the laws let him pay ten times the value of the treasure which he has moved to the lever and if some one accuses another of having anything which belongs to him whether little or much 
and he admits that he has this thing but says that the property in dispute is not the others if the property be registered with the archons according to law he shall summon the possessor who shall appear before the magistrates and when the matter is cleared up if it be registered in the public registers to which of the litigants it belonged let him take it and go his way or if the property be registered as belonging to some one who is not present whoever will give sufficient surety on behalf of the absent person that he will give it up to him let him take it away as the representative of the other but if the property which is deposited be not registered with the archons let it remain until the time of trial with three of the eldest of the archons and if that for which bail is given be an animal then he who loses the suit shall pay the archons for its keep and the archons shall determine the cause within three days any one who is of sound mind may carry off his own slave and do with him whatever he will of such things as are lawful and he may carry off the runaway slave of any of his friends or kindred with a view to his safe-keeping and if any one takes away him who is being carried off as a slave intending to liberate him he who is carrying him off shall let him go but he who takes him away shall give three sufficient sureties and if he give them and not without giving them he may take him away but if he take him away after any other manner he shall be guilty of violence and being convicted shall pay double the penalty of the loss to him from whom he has taken the slave let him also carry off the freedman if he do not pay respect or not sufficient respect to him who freed him now the respect shall be that the freedman go three times in the month to the house of the person who freed him and offer to do whatever he can and ought to do and he shall agree to make such a marriage as his former master pleases he shall not be permitted to have more property than he who gave him liberty and what more he has shall belong to his master the freedman shall not remain in the state more than twenty years but like other foreigners shall go away taking his entire property with him unless he have the consent of the magistrates and of his former master to remain if a freedman or any other stranger have a property greater than the census of the third class at the expiration of thirty days from the day on which this comes to pass he shall take that which is his and go his way and in this case he shall not be allowed to remain any longer by the archons and if any one disobeys this regulation and is brought into court and convicted he shall be punished with death and his property shall be confiscated suits about these matters shall take place before the tribes unless the plaintiff and defendant have got rid of the accusation either before their neighbours or before arbitrators if a man lay claim to any animal or anything else which he declares to be his let him who is the possessor refer to some honest and trustworthy person who has sold or given or in some legitimate way made over the property to him if he be a citizen or a medic sojourning in the city within thirty days or if the property have been delivered to him by a stranger within five months of which the middle month shall be the summer solstice when goods are exchanged by selling and buying a man shall deliver them and receive the price of them at a fixed place in the agora and have done with the matter but he shall not buy or sell anywhere else nor give credit and if in any other manner or in any other place there be an exchange of one thing for another and the seller with whom he is dealing give him credit 
he must do this on the understanding that the law gives no protection in cases of things sold not in accordance with these regulations again as to contributions any man who likes may contribute as a friend with friends but if any difference arises about the contribution he is to act on the understanding that the law gives no protection in such cases he who sells anything up to the value of fifty drachmas shall be required to remain in the city for ten days and the purchaser shall be informed of the house of the seller with a view to the sort of charges which are apt to arise in such cases and the restitutions which the law allows and let legal restitution and illegal be on this wise if a man sells a slave who is in a consumption or who has the disease of the stone or of strangury or epilepsy or some other tedious and incurable disorder of body or mind which is not discernible to the ordinary man if the purchaser be a physician or trainer he shall have no right of restitution nor shall there be any right of restitution if the seller has told the truth beforehand to the buyer but if a skilled person sells to another who is not skilled let the buyer appeal for restitution within six months except in the case of epilepsy and then the appeal may be made within a year and shall be determined by such physicians as the parties may agree to choose and he who loses the suit shall pay double the price at which he sold if a private person sell to another private person he shall have the right of restitution and the decision shall be given as before but he who loses the suit shall only pay back the price of the slave if a person sells a homicide to another and they both know of the fact let there be no restitution in such a case but if he do not know of the fact there shall be a right of restitution whenever a buyer makes the discovery and the decision shall rest with five of the youngest guardians of the law and if the decision be that the seller was cognizant of the fact he shall purify the house of the purchaser according to the law of the interpreters and shall pay back three times the purchase money he who exchanges either money for money or anything whatever for anything else either with or without life let him give and receive them genuine and unadulterated in accordance with the law and let us have a preamble about all this sort of roguery like the preambles of our other laws every man should regard adulteration as a particular kind of falsehood concerning which the many are too fond of saying that at proper times the practice may often be right but they leave the time and place and occasion undefined and unregulated and from this want of definiteness in their language they do a great deal of harm to themselves and to others now a legislator ought not to leave the matter undefined he ought to prescribe some limit either greater or less let this then be the limit prescribed no one shall call the gods to witness when he says or does anything false or deceitful or dishonest unless he would be the most hateful of mankind to them and he is most hateful to them who takes a false oath and never thinks of the gods and in the second place he who tells a falsehood in the presence of his superiors now better men are the superiors of worse men and in general elders are the superiors of the young wherefore also parents are the superiors of their children and men of women and children and rulers of their subjects and all men ought to reverence any one who is in any position of authority and especially those who are in political offices i have made this remark in reference to our present discourse for every one who is guilty of adulteration in the agora tells a falsehood and deceives 
and when he invokes the gods according to the customs and cautions of the wardens of the agora he is perjured and has no respect either for god or man certainly it is an excellent rule not lightly to profane the names of the gods after the fashion of men in general who care little about piety and purity in their actions but if a man will not conform to this rule let the law be as follows he who sells anything in the agora shall not ask two prices of that which he sells but he shall ask one price and if he do not obtain this he shall take away his goods and on that day he shall not value them either at more or less and there shall be no praising of any goods or oath taken about them if a person disobeys this command any citizen who is present not being less than thirty years of age may chastise and beat the swearer and he shall be guiltless but if he takes no heed and disobeys he shall be liable to the charge of having betrayed the laws if a man sell any adulterated goods and will not obey these regulations he who knows and can prove the fact and does prove it in the presence of the magistrates if he be a slave or a medic shall have the adulterated goods but if he be a citizen and do not prove it he shall be disgraced and deemed to have robbed the gods of the agora or if he prove the charge he shall dedicate the goods to the gods of the agora he who is proved to have sold any adulterated goods in addition to losing the goods themselves shall be beaten with stripes a stripe for a drachma according to the price of the goods and the herald shall proclaim in the agora the offence for which he is going to be beaten the wardens of the agora and the guardians of the law shall obtain information from experienced persons about the rogueries and adulterations of the sellers and shall write up what the seller ought and ought not to do in each case and let them inscribe their laws on a column in front of the court of the agora that they may be clear instructors of those who have business in the agora enough has been said in what has preceded about the wardens of the city and if anything seems to be wanting let them communicate with the guardians of the law and write down the omission and place on a column in the court of the city the first and second regulations which are laid down for them about their office after the practices of adulteration naturally follow practices of retail trade concerning these we will first of all give a word of counsel and reason and the law shall come afterwards retail trade in a city is not by nature intended to do any harm but quite the contrary for is not he a benefactor who reduces the inequalities and immeasurabilities of goods to equality and measure and this is what the power of money accomplishes and the merchant may be said to be appointed for this purpose the hireling and the tavern-keeper and many other occupations some of them more and others less seemly all alike have this object they seek to satisfy our needs and equalize our possessions let us then endeavour to see what is this dishonour and appearance of unseemliness and what is the accusation brought against retail trade in order that if not entirely we may yet partially remove the objection by law to effect this is no easy matter and implies a great deal of virtue cleinias what do you mean athenian stranger dear cleinias the class of men is small they must have been rarely gifted by nature and trained by education who when compelled by wants and desires of every sort are able to hold out and observe moderation and when they might make a great deal of money are sober in their wishes and prefer a moderate to a large gain but the mass of mankind 
are the very opposite their desires are unbounded and when they might gain in moderation they prefer gains without limit wherefore all that relates to retail trade and merchandise and keeping of taverns is denounced and numbered among dishonourable things for if what i trust may never be and will not be we were to compel if i may venture to say a ridiculous thing the best men everywhere to keep taverns for a time or carry on retail trade or do anything of that sort or if in consequence of some dire necessity the best women were compelled to take to a similar calling then we should know how agreeable and pleasant all these things are and if they were carried on according to pure reason all such occupations would be held in honour and those who practised them would be deemed parents or nurses but now that a man goes to desert places and builds houses which can only be reached by long journeys for the sake of retail trade and receives strangers who are in need at the desired resting-places or gives them sweet calm when they are tossed by the storm or cool shade in the heat and then instead of behaving to them as friends and showing the duties of hospitality to those whom he has received under his roof treats them as enemies and captives who are at his mercy and will not release them until they have paid the highest most exorbitant and base price these are the sort of practices and foul evils they are which cast a reproach upon the succour of adversity and the legislator ought always to be devising a remedy for evils of this sort there is an ancient saying which is also a true one to fight against two opponents is a difficult thing as is seen in diseases and in many other cases and in this case also the war is against two enemies wealth and poverty one of whom corrupts the soul of man with luxury while the other drives him by pain into utter shamelessness what remedy can a city of sense find against this disease in the first place they must have as few as possible of the retail class and in the second place they must assign the occupation to that class of men whose corruption will be the least injury to the state and in the third place they must devise some way whereby the followers of these occupations themselves will not readily fall into habits of unbridled shamelessness and meanness after this preface let our law run as follows and may fortune favour us no landowner among the magnates whose city the god is restoring and resettling no one that is of the five thousand forty families shall become a retail trader either voluntarily or involuntarily neither shall he be a merchant or do any service for private persons who are not his equals except for his father or his mother and their fathers and mothers and in general for his elders who are free men and whom he serves as a free man now it is difficult to determine accurately the things which are worthy or unworthy of a free man but let those who have obtained the prize of virtue give judgment about them in accordance with their feelings of right and wrong he who in any way shares in the illiberality of retail trades may be indicted by any one who likes for dishonouring his race before those who are judged to be the first in virtue and if he appear to throw dirt upon his father's house by an unworthy occupation let him be imprisoned for a year and abstain from that sort of thing and if he repeat the offence for two years and every time that he is taken let the time of his imprisonment be doubled this shall be the second law he who engages in retail trade must be either a medic or a stranger and a third law shall be 
that with a view to this class of retail traders who dwell with us in our city being as good or as little bad as possible the guardians of the law ought to remember that they are guardians not only of those who may be easily watched and prevented from becoming lawless or bad because they are well born and bred but still more should they have a watch over those who are of another sort and follow pursuits which have a very strong tendency to make men bad and therefore in respect of the multifarious occupations of retail trade that is to say in respect of such of them as are allowed to remain because they seem to be quite necessary in a state about these the guardians of the law should meet and take counsel with those who have experience of the several kinds of retail trade as we before commanded concerning adulteration which is a matter akin to this and when they meet they should consider what receipts and what expenditure will produce a moderate gain and they should fix in writing and strictly observe the ratio of receipt and expenditure this should be done by the wardens of the agra and by the wardens of the city and by the wardens of the country in this way retail trade will benefit every one and do the least possible injury to those in the state who practise it when a man makes an agreement which he does not fulfil unless the agreement be of a nature which the law or a vote of the assembly does not allow or which he has made under the influence of some unjust compulsion or which he is prevented from fulfilling against his will by some unexpected chance the other party may go to law with him in the courts of the tribe for not having completed his agreement if the parties are not able previously to come to terms before arbiters or before their neighbours the class of craftsmen who have furnished human life with the arts is dedicated to hephaestus and athene and there is a class of craftsmen who preserve the works of all craftsmen by arts of defence the votaries of ares and athene and they also deserve to be dedicated to the gods all these continue through life serving the country and the people some of them are leaders in battle others make for hire implements and works and they ought not to deceive in such matters out of respect to the gods who are their ancestors if any craftsman through indolence omit to execute his work in a given time not reverencing the god who gives him the means of life but considering foolish fellow that he is his own god and will let him off easily in the first place he shall pay a penalty to the god and in the second place the law shall follow in a similar spirit he shall owe to him who contracted with him the price of the works which he has failed in performing and he shall begin again and execute them gratis in the given time when a man undertakes a work the law gives him the same advice which was given to the seller that he should not attempt to raise the price but simply ask the value this the law enjoins also on the contractor for the craftsman assuredly knows the value of his work wherefore in free states the man of art ought not to attempt to impose upon private individuals by the help of his art which is by nature a true thing and he who is wronged in a matter of this sort shall have a right of action against the party who has wronged him and if any one lets out work to a craftsman and does not pay him duly according to the lawful agreement disregarding zeus polyacus and athene who are the partners of the state and overthrows the foundation of society for the sake of a little gain in his case let the law and the gods maintain the common bonds of the state and let him who having already received the work in exchange does not pay the price in the time agreed pay double the price and if a year has elapsed 
whereas usury in general is not to be taken on money lent in our state let him for every drachma which he owes to the contractor pay a monthly interest of an obol suits about these matters are to be decided by the courts of the tribes and by the way now that we are mentioning craftsmen we must not forget to speak of generals and tacticians who are the craftsmen of our art of safety which is war and like other craftsmen undertake some public work either of their own accord or because they are appointed by the state and if they execute their work well the law will never be tired of praising him who gives them those honours which are the just rewards of the soldier but if any one having already received the benefit of any noble service in war does not make the due return of honour the law will blame him let this then be the law having an ingredient of praise not compelling but advising the great body of the citizens to honour the brave men who are the saviours of the whole state whether by their courage or by their military skill they should honour them i say in the second place for the first and highest tribute of honour is to be given to those who in a special manner honour the good words of the legislator the greater part of the dealings between man and man have been now regulated by us with the exception of those that relate to orphans and the supervision of guardians of orphans these follow next in order and must be regulated in some way they all begin with the testamentary wishes of the dying and the case of those who make no disposition of their property and when i said cleinias that we must regulate them i had in my mind the difficulty and perplexity in which they are entangled you cannot leave them unregulated for individuals would make regulations at variance with one another and repugnant to the laws and habits of the living and to their own previous habits if a person were simply allowed to make any will which he pleases and this were to take effect in whatever state he may be at the end of life for most of us lose our senses in a manner and are prostrated in mind when we think that we are soon about to die cleinias what do you mean stranger athenian stranger oh cleinias a man when he is about to die is a fearful thing and may cause a great deal of anxiety and trouble to the legislator cleinias how is that athenian stranger he wants to have the entire control of all his property and will use angry words cleinias what words athenian stranger oh ye gods he will say how monstrous that i am not allowed to give or not to give my own to whom i will less to him who has been bad to me and more to him who has been good to me and whose badness or goodness has been tested by me in time of sickness or in old age and in every other sort of fortune cleinias well stranger and may he not very fairly say that athenian stranger i think cleinias that the ancient legislators were too good-natured and that they made laws without sufficient observation or consideration of human things cleinias how do you mean athenian stranger i mean my friend that they were afraid of the testator's reproaches and so they passed a law to the effect that a man should be allowed to dispose of his property in all respects as he likes but you and i if i am not mistaken will have something better to say to our departing citizens cleinias what is that athenian stranger o oh, my friends we will say to them hard is it for you who are creatures of a day to know what is yours hard too to know yourselves as the pythian oracle says at this hour now i as the legislator regard you and your possessions not as belonging to yourselves but as belonging to your whole family 
both past and future and yet more do i regard both family and possessions as belonging to the state wherefore if some one steals upon you with flattery when you are tossed on the sea of disease or old age and persuades you to dispose of your property in a way that is not for the best i will not if i can help allow this but i will legislate with a view to the whole considering what is best both for the state and for the family esteeming as i ought the feelings of an individual at a lower rate and i hope that you will depart in peace and kindness towards us as you are going the way of all mankind and we will impartially take care of all your concerns not neglecting any of them if we can possibly help let this be our warning and consolation of the living and dying cleinias and let the law be as follows he who makes a disposition in a testament being a father and having children shall first of all inscribe as his heir any one of his sons whom he may think fit and if he have given any of his children to be adopted by another citizen let him inscribe the adoption and if he has a son remaining over and above who has not had any portion assigned to him and who may reasonably be expected to go out to a colony according to law to him his father may give as much as he pleases of the rest of his property with the exception of the paternal lot and the property on the lot and if there are more sons than one let the father distribute what there is more than the lot in any way that he pleases and if one of the sons has the family inheritance he shall not give him of the money nor shall he give money to a daughter who is betrothed to a husband but if she is not betrothed he may give her money and if any of the sons or daughters shall be found to have a lot of land in the country which has accrued after the testament has been made he shall leave the lot which he has inherited to the heir of the man who has made the will if the testator has no sons but only daughters let him choose the husband of any one of his daughters and leave and inscribe him as his son and heir and if a man have lost his son when he was a child and before he came to be reckoned among grown-up men whether his own or an adopted son let the testator make mention of the circumstance and inscribe whom he will to be his second son in hope of better fortune and if the testator has no children at all he may select and give to any one whom he pleases the tenth part of the property which he has acquired let him as he ought give all the rest to his adopted son and make a friend of him according to the law if the sons of a man require guardians and he dies and makes a will appointing guardians who are agreeable and willing to take charge of his children whoever they are and as many as he pleases let the choice of the guardians have force according to what he has written but if he dies and has made no will or a will in which he has appointed no guardians then the next of kin two on the father's and two on the mother's side and one of the friends of the deceased shall have the authority of guardians whom the guardians of the law shall appoint when the orphans require guardians and fifteen of the eldest of the guardians of the law according to seniority shall have the whole care and charges of the orphans and shall divide themselves into threes a body of three for one year and then another body of three for the next year until the cycle is complete and this as far as possible is to continue always if a man dies having made no will at all and leaves sons who require the care of guardians they shall share in the protection which is afforded by these laws and if a man dying by some unexpected fate leave daughters behind him let him pardon the legislator if he gives his daughter in marriage 
having a regard only to two out of three conditions nearness of kin and the preservation of the lot and omits the third condition which a father would naturally consider for he would choose out of all the citizens a son for himself and a husband for his daughter with a view to his character and disposition he shall forgive him i say if he neglects this which to him is an impossible consideration let the law about these matters where practicable be as follows if a man dies without making a will and leaves behind him daughters let his brother being the son of the same mother having no lot marry the daughter and have the lot of the dead man and if he have no brother but only a brother's son in like manner let them marry if they be of suitable age and if there be not even a brother's son but only the son of a sister let them do likewise and so in the fourth degree if there be only a father's brother or in the fifth degree a father's brother's son or in the sixth degree the child of a father's sister let kindred be always reckoned in this way if a person leaves daughters the relationship shall proceed upwards through brothers and brothers son and first the males shall come and after them the females in the same family the judge shall consider and determine the suitableness or unsuitableness of age in marriage he shall make an inspection of the males naked and of the women naked down to the navel and if there be a lack of kinsmen in a family extending to grandchildren of a brother or to the grandchildren of a grandfather's children the maiden may choose with the consent of her guardians any one of the citizens whom she will and he shall be the heir of the dead man and the husband of his daughters circumstances vary and there may sometimes be a still greater lack of relations within the limits of the state and if any maiden has no kindred living in the city and there is some one who has been sent out to a colony and she is disposed to make him the heir of her father's possessions if he be of her kindred let him proceed to her lot according to the regulation of the law but if he be not of her kindred and there be no kinsman within the pale of the city let him be chosen by the daughter of the dead man and empowered to marry by the guardians and let him return home and take the lot of him who died intestate and he who has no children either male or female and dies without making a will shall act in such a case in accordance with the previous laws and let a man and a woman go forth from the family and share the deserted house and let the lot belong absolutely to them and let the heiress in the first degree be a sister and in the second degree a daughter of a brother and in the third a daughter of a sister in the fourth degree the sister of a father and in the fifth degree the daughter of a father's brother and in the sixth degree of a father's sister and these shall dwell with their male kinsmen according to the degree of relationship and right as we enacted before now we must not conceal from ourselves that such laws are apt to be oppressive and that there may sometimes be a hardship in the lawgiver commanding the kinsman of the dead man to marry his relation he may be thought not to have considered the innumerable hindrances which may arise among men in the execution of such ordinances for there may be cases in which the parties refuse to obey and are ready to do anything rather than marry when there is some bodily or mental malady or defect among those who are bidden to marry or be married persons may fancy that the legislator never thought of this in which however they are mistaken wherefore let us make a common prelude on behalf of the lawgiver and of the subjects the law begging the latter to forgive the legislator in that he having to take care of the common weal cannot order at the same time the various circumstances of individuals and begging him to pardon them 
if they are sometimes unable to fulfil the act which he in his ignorance imposes upon them cleinias and what stranger can we do that is fairest under the circumstances athenian stranger there must be arbiters chosen to deal with such laws and the subjects of them cleinias what do you mean athenian stranger i mean to say that a case may occur in which the brother's son having a rich father will be unwilling to marry the daughter of his uncle he will have a feeling of pride and he will wish to look higher and there are cases in which the legislator will be imposing upon him the greatest calamity and he will be compelled to disobey the law if he is required for example to take a wife who is mad or has some other terrible malady of soul or body such as makes life intolerable to the sufferer let our law then concerning these cases be on this wise if any one find fault with the established laws respecting testaments both as to other matters and especially in what relates to marriage and declares that the legislator if he were alive would not compel him to obey that is to say would not compel those who are by our law required to marry or be given in marriage to do either and some kinsman or guardian assent to this let them say that the legislator left the fifteen guardians of the law to be arbiters and fathers to orphans male or female and to them let the disputants have recourse and by their aid determine any matters of this sort admitting their decision to be final but if any one thinks that too great power is thus given to the guardians of the law let him bring his adversaries into the court of the select judges and there have the points in dispute determined and he who loses the cause shall have censure and blame from the legislator which by a man of sense is felt to be a penalty far heavier than a great loss of money thus will orphan children have a second birth after their first birth we spoke of their nurture and education and after their second birth when they have lost their parents we ought to take measures that the misfortune of orphanhood may be as little sad as possible to them in the first place as we are saying we appoint them the guardians of the law to be fathers to them not inferior to their natural fathers moreover we bid them take charge of them in each year as their own kindred and have given a suitable admonition to them and to the guardians concerning the nurture of orphans and we seem to have spoken opportunely in our former discourse when we said that the souls of the dead have the power after their death of taking an interest in human affairs about which there are many tales and traditions long indeed but true and seeing that they are so many and so ancient we must believe them and we must also believe the lawgivers who tell us that these things are true if they are not to be regarded as utter fools but if these things are really so in the first place men should have a fear of the gods above who regard the loneliness of the orphans and in the second place of the souls of the departed who by nature incline to take an especial care of their own children and they are friendly to those who honour them and unfriendly to those who do not men should also fear the living who are aged wherever a city is well ordered and prosperous their descendants cherish them and so live happily and they are quick to see and hear all that relates to them and are propitious to those who are just in the fulfilment of these duties and they punish those who wrong the orphan and the desolate considering that they are the greatest and most sacred of deposits to all which matters the guardian and magistrate ought to apply his mind if he has any and take heed of the nurture and education of the orphans seeking in every possible way to do them good and contributing to his own good and that of his children he who obeys the tale which precedes the law 
and does no wrong to an orphan will never have experience of the wrath of the legislator but he who is disobedient and wrongs any one who is bereft of father or mother shall pay twice the penalty which he would have paid if he had wronged one whose parents had been alive as touching other legislation concerning guardians in their relation to orphans or concerning magistrates and their superintendence of the guardians if they did not possess examples of the manner in which children of freemen should be brought up in the bringing up of their own children and of the care of their property in the care of their own or if they had not just laws fairly stated about these very things there would have been reason in making laws for them under the idea that they were a peculiar class and we might distinguish and make separate rules for the life of those who are orphans and of those who are not orphans but as the case stands the condition of orphans with us is not different from the case of those who have a father though in regard to honour and dishonour and the attention given to them the two are not usually placed upon a level wherefore touching the legislation about orphans the law speaks in serious accents both of persuasion and threatening and such a threat as the following will be by no means out of place he who is the guardian of an orphan of either sex and he among the guardians of the law who has the care of the guardians shall love the unfortunate orphan as though he were his own child and he shall be as careful and diligent as he would be in the management of his possessions or even more careful than he would have been if they were his own let every one who has the care of an orphan observe this law but if any one acts contrary to the law on these matters if he be a guardian the archon may fine him or if he be the archon the guardian may bring him before the court of select judges and punish him if convicted by a fine which the court shall impose of double the amount and if a guardian appears to the relations of the orphan or to any other citizen to act negligently or dishonestly let them bring him before the same court and whatever penalty is imposed upon him let him pay fourfold and let half belong to the orphan and half to him who procured the conviction if any orphan arrives at years of discretion and thinks that he has been ill-used by his guardians let him within five years of the expiration of the guardianship be allowed to bring his guardian to trial and if he be convicted the court shall determine what he shall pay or suffer and if the archon shall appear to have wronged the orphan by his neglect and he be convicted let the court determine what he shall suffer or pay to the orphan and if there be dishonesty in addition to neglect besides paying the fine let him be deposed from his office of guardian of the law and let the state appoint another guardian of the law for the city and for the country in his room end of part one of book eleven recording in memory of mitchell edwards